Good morning, America. We are back once again with Backwoods Theology. We have been, we always, uh, before every episode, uh, go and have some breakfast at a local um, a local diner here in town. And again, I can't say what town because it is an undisclosed location. So, um, but we are grateful that you are here. So we are uh, fed up. When I mean fed up, I don't mean angry. I mean, we've, we've eaten. We've all got coffee in hand. We got our Bibles open. We are ready to go. And um, let's hear a shout out from my two friends. Shout out from your friends. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. Well, one friend. Oh, you did good yeah, morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. See, listeners who know yeah, me are saying, guy. you have friends? <laughs> <laughs> I do have friends. It costs me dearly, but I do have friends. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, well, I have to pay well, you guys. I have here. to pay you guys to be my friends. So, uh, anyway, I can see my jokes are falling flat like they normally do. No, we're just not saying anything to each other. We're just looking at each other. So, <laughs> loud, loud slurping of the loud coffee. Slurping. That's <laughs> all. That's what you get. Did Adam begin that the the coffee slurp? Did that begin with Adam? The or iconic where? coffee slurp. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Maybe that's a future podcast episode. We could have. An Adam and Eve series, did they have belly buttons? You know, uh, earth-shattering, faith-dependent <laughs> questions like that uh, is what you come to Backwoods Theology right. for. Like how many angels can stand on the head of a pin? Absolutely. That's an important theological question. Can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Yes. Right. Things right. that, that is deep. our faith yeah. depends upon, yes. the, the foundations of the faith. Hey, yes. we're obviously jesting. Uh, here, but uh, we are excited to be with you today. Uh, today's podcast is perhaps a part B of the last podcast that we had on a definition or a distinction, so to speak, between the world and the earth in the scriptures. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. I enjoyed it very, very much. And uh, so from that, we are going to uh, be doing perhaps a part B um, because uh, I do believe that this piggybacks, so to speak, on the discussion of the old world that was that um, we had mentioned that the purpose, one of the, I, I personally believe the purpose of the flood was to protect the messianic line. Noah was chosen because the Bible says he was perfect in his generations. We see in Genesis 6 that uh, Satan is attempting to corrupt the line. Um, Daniel 2 speaks of a mingling of the seed. And so we thought we would do an episode on seed. Seed. Uh, I hope you've, by the way, speaking of seed, I believe my wife has ordered all of our seeds that we need for our garden this year, as I believe um, if there's ever an, a year you ought to consider a garden, it ought to be this year. But anyway, that's not the seed we're talking about. <laughs> Can we just throw this fun fact in? <laughs> Absolutely. That 30% of the world's wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine. Yes. That's just a, fee that's, that's a freebie. So grow a garden. That what? makes you feel good. <laughs> Start with the warm fuzzies, right? Yes. That's right. Back to thirty percent of the world's wheat. It's true. It is true, and uh, so. Um, but um, we are going to be talking not about seed that you put in the ground. We are talking about the be fruitful and multiply seed is what we are going to be discussing today, and um, the importance of seed in the Word of God. Questions naturally come up that does God have seed? Does Satan have seed? Um, we'll, I believe, answer those questions today. So take it away, guys. Well, I was going to start when we talk about seed, and it is, you know, we're, we're into springtime, almost planting season for us in our undisclosed location. And uh, we are, in that context, talking about physical seed placed in the ground. But I think it's helpful to consider that many times the physical illustrates the spiritual, and the Lord uses creation, He uses physical things uh, as as an, a picture of, I'm going to use the words, the more real thing. So for example, marriage, right? Physical marriage we read about in Ephesians 5 uh, is a picture of Christ in the church, right? So as we talk about seed, you know, our mind gravitates towards 
uh, towards reproduction that happens upon the earth in a physical sense, we also understand the Bible reveals spiritual realities, spiritual seed. So Josh, what do you think? No, I, um, I agree exactly. It's the Bible does use the physical or the um, tangible um, to point out something that obviously is being taught spiritual. Um, when we think of the seed, I'm, I, you know, I don't know if we're ready to go straight from the beginning, but my mind always goes to Genesis 3. Um, because, uh, Brother Wiley, you mentioned, does God have a seed? Does Satan have a seed? And when you look at Genesis 3, we have, I believe, um, I think I was in college first time I per- a person, first time I heard a person say this, it was, you know, first mention of the gospel you're going to find is in Genesis 3.15. And, and um, but anyway, I just, I wasn't, we're not going down that road. I just thought it was interesting because he saw the importance, I guess, of Genesis 3.15. In the context, we know Adam had just sinned, uh, Eve being deceived, Adam made the choice. And then we have the punishment from God. Um, God talked to Adam. Adam blamed his wife, and um, or Adam blamed a woman. Woman blamed the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Waka waka so, waka. <laughs> but in Genesis three fourteen, you've been waiting weeks. I've been waiting. Yeah, a long you've been preparing this for that. a long time. Yes, yes. Genesis 3.14 says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And here's the verse, 3.15. And I, this is obviously the Lord God talking to the serpent, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed, there's the word, and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So clearly, uh, God speaking to the serpent, he brings up seed, specifically thy seed and her seed. So um, take it away, one of you two. And can I we, and, and again, can we just define right from the scriptures before that seed denotes reproduction? Yes. That, That's in Genesis 1. Right, where it talks about, I think specifically the fruit, uh, uh, the tree um, already has fruit and, boy, I'm gonna, uh, help me find it here, guys, quickly. Yeah, I just saw it. Is it... Uh, Okay, verse 12. One, one 11 and one 11 12. and yes. 12, I think, is the first time we see seed yes. mentioned in the scriptures. And that's specifically speaking of the plant life, the tree, as well as the grass in verse number uh, 12. But that denotes reproduction. It Can denotes... I say something real quick to that? Yes. Um, what you're doing for the listener, this kind of goes off with our um, How to Study the Bible episode we did. We're using the scriptures to help us understand the words of the scriptures. Right. So um, that's why, for instance, you mentioned the first time it's used. These are great study helps, the law of first mention, um, and just going back to, all right, this is what scripture shows us. I think it also helps because in our church, we have young children that are, you know, and they're easier, perhaps, going to be able to understand seeds in an apple or something like that than they are about seeds of people, you know, yes. that that humans have seed as well. And for uh, just to help a child to be able to understand, you know, we could go back here and say, well, you understand the seeds that you put in life comes from that seed that you place in the ground. And that will help them better to be able to understand, I believe, when it comes to Genesis 3.15, where it's talking about Okay, the seed of the serpent, and yes. that means we plant seeds in the ground and serpents come out? Is that <laughs> what that means? You know, again, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to think You're of, right. uh, you know, when, when Jesus taught and preached, there were children in the crowd. That's a good point. Yeah. There was one time that in preaching on the kingdom of heaven, he called a child unto him, and he used that child as 
a way to be able to help people to be able to understand. So, um, so this also is a good help for young people as well. But um, in verse 15, it, we've, we've talked about it already that, okay, this seed that is mentioned in verse 15, is it a physical seed or a spiritual seed? I think that that's a, a good place to start because I do believe the Bible does talk about spiritual seed. It does talk about a physical seed. Um, so how do we determine in verse 15 if this is a spiritual seed or a physical seed? I think there's a couple things here that are, are good for us to just to jot down or think about is that, you know, this verse uh, does provide us um, really the, the two combatants in or the two, two areas of focus. There's two seeds that we're going to see traced throughout the Bible. And when we ask, is the seed physical or spiritual? Well, was the serpent physical or spiritual? Well, it certainly was a physical serpent. Hmm. But we understand by comparing Scripture with Scripture that, that the serpent, you know, Revelation identifies the devil as that old serpent. So yes. um, certainly when God is speaking to the serpent, he is speaking to the devil, and he is speaking of Satan's seed. And for me, that would mean, okay, it's, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual seed, but that spiritual seed is going to manifest physically. You know what I mean? I think we go, go back to the idea that sometimes we think, when we think of spiritual, we think of Casper the Friendly Ghost. We think of it as totally other than that which is physical. But um, though it's spiritual seed, it has a real world impact on the physical world. They're, if you will, they're, they're connected, they're intertwined. You can't separate one from the other. So it is spiritual seed. Certainly Satan's seed is. And we know, you know, it's, it's, do you think it's unique? Do you think it's, it's worth noting that in Genesis 3.15, it's not the seed of Adam, but it's the seed of Eve? Is that I think, noteworthy? I think that's important to see that too, because um, the seed of the woman, where um, if you, again, we can uh, help in the, in the understanding, but typically seed is always referred to in the male. So it is interesting. Now, why? Why in this verse does it say her seed? I'm just asking you to. I, I, I believe I know why, but I'm asking you to. Well, I believe this is referring to the virgin birth. Agreed. That, yes. that um, the Messiah would come from a virgin, and um, that helps us to be able to understand as well other parts of the scriptures. We're talking about corrupting the seed that Satan attempted to corrupt the seed to prevent the Messiah from coming. So right here at this point, um, in, in the timeline of human events, God is giving a direct truth to the serpent that from her, from the woman, there's going to be a seed. And what does he say? It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his, which I think that's interesting. He uses the pronoun his here, heel. So um, Satan is getting, the serpent is getting a a um, direct promise from God. Well, it's, it's an open declaration to God, I mean to, to, to man and, and Satan. Yes. And by implication, the entire heavenly host. Hmm. You know, all eyes would have been on this, I would think. Mm -hmm. um, so then from that point, right, now we're, we're going to trace this idea of seed, right? Of course. Throughout the scripture. Yes. Okay, so where would you... Before we do that, can yep. we... we <clears throat> the reason I asked, is this physical seed or spiritual seed? Um, so you all are saying that the seed of the serpent is a spiritual seed. Is the seed of the woman also a spiritual seed or is it a physical seed? You know... Um, the scriptures here, right after the second use of the word seed, between thy seed and her seed, it uses the the pronoun it, 
shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. I believe it's a great picture of both with it and his. Um, Luke chapter one calls Jesus Christ that Gabriel calls Christ inside Mary. He says that holy thing. So he uses the word thing and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the only reference to a human in scripture ever called a thing. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the only reference. And I believe that ties into Hebrews where the Bible says a body hast thou prepared me in Hebrews and in Psalm. Um, Jesus Christ is spiritual and physical. So I believe the it and the his are both referenced there. And I there. think it's both too. Because when you look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when it says Adam uh, knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. It seems like Eve is anticipating that the Lord is, you know, perhaps in her son Cain is going to fulfill the promise. The that promise he, given in the previous. Right. That's right. Okay, so then what happens to Cain and Abel? Well, Cain's obviously not that seed. Mm -hmm. He kills Abel, and then we're introduced to Seth. Uh, we're introduced to Seth, and this is in Genesis 4.25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So it became apparent that Cain was not that seed, mm -hmm. that Abel, <clears throat> if Abel were to be that seed, he couldn't be because Cain killed him. And now at the birth of Seth, uh, she declares Seth another seed, uh, the Lord appointing me another seed but instead of Abel. This is all physical seed. Right. She's understanding it to be physical, of course. but certainly having you know spiritual ramifications mm -hmm. because of their sin. Okay. May, may I may I create another podcast here? <laughs> <laughs> I believe um, Genesis three fifteen is more than simply. And please understand by me simply. I'm not saying that the virgin birth is something simple. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that it's only referring to um, the fact that Christ will be born of a virgin. Um, I believe the seed of the woman here is obviously speaking of Christ, and the seed of the serpent is specifically speaking of the Antichrist. Hmm. Um, because of the reference to, um, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, here's, okay, here's where I don't mean to create, um, I don't know whether you know I believe the Antichrist is going to be Judas Iscariot resurrected. Mm -hmm. I believe that Judas Iscariot is the Antichrist. And now whoever's listening, I don't know whether you're listening. <laughs> no, you believe he's now. the resurrected Judas Iscariot, <clears throat> right? I mean, I believe right. That. Yeah. There are men in the scriptures that the Bible says play another role, whether it be Moses and Elijah. David is going to play another role in the millennial kingdom. The Bible says that Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel yep. will welcome the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem as the governor of, Ju of Judah. Um, and I believe Judas Iscariot plays another role. Listen, you know, n listen to the reference of it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. What's interesting is if you do a word study on heel, H-E-E-L, it only appears six times in the Bible. I'll read two of them. Jesus um, quotes this psalm. Psalm 41 in verse 9 says, listen to what Psalm 41, 9 says. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Um, notice in Psalm 41 in verse 9, Mine own familiar friend. That's what Jesus called Judas, Judas. Um, when he came to betray him with a kiss. He called him also, in the parable of the man who was at the wedding without a wedding garment, yes. Jesus called him friend. I believe that's the Antichrist um, there um, being portrayed in that, in that parable. 
and Christ calls him friend there. Notice in Psalm 41, 9, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread. I believe that's the reference to the dipping of the sop at mm-hmm. the supper, hath lifted up his heel against me. Well, Christ quotes this at the at the supper, John 13, 18, Jesus says, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. That's John 13, 18. So obviously, Psalm 41, 9 isn't just the song. This is prophecy being given. Oh, it's messianic. It's oh, messianic yeah. prophecy that's going to be given, and Christ canonizes that in John 13 and 18. So I believe that this reference in Genesis 3.15 is a reference to what Jesus is talking about in John 13.18. I, I, I believe Judas is the seed of the serpent. Yes. And... So um, can, I, can we... I was in John 13. I didn't know, I didn't know no, that he wanted great. to jump into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> no, I mean, can it... Okay, so this is where we ask the question, can there be dual fulfillment, right? Yes. Because John 13, 27 says, and after the sop, you referenced that bread, Satan entered into him. Right. And so it's Judas Iscariot, I would agree with that, but it's also Judas Iscariot who has this, he has the seed, the of, the seed serpent. of the serpent. It, it is him. spiritual, it's both. Yeah. yeah. It's both. Um, so, because uh, Judas, Judas, the is, Antichrist would be in the same category as what he just said. There's many people who had an indwelling spirit, a familiar spirit, yes. devils, but there's only Judas is the only one mentioned that actually Satan entered, entered into, into him. Do you need to clarify? Uh, do you want to clarify why it is you believe that Judas is the Antichrist? To come? Oh boy, is that, do we want to make that podcast? Do you want to do that? Next? I mean, we could just <laughs> episode. We can next. say yeah. I can like, do that next. I I, I don't know. I, I apologize. I just I I just feel like with Genesis three fifteen that I, I think when we I just wanted it to be known that I, I believe that there's more than just spiritual going on here, because I think what happens is, is one of the weaknesses that we have today in Christianity, we just spiritualize the Bible. And um, this definitely is, look, when, when Jesus called them the children of the devil, okay, do I believe that they are all the physical offspring oh, of good, Satan? Yeah. No, I, I believe that there is a... A spirit, a spiritual. There is a spiritual, but I do believe, I do believe that Satan has physical seed. Hmm. I do believe that. So, do you want to finish the seed conversation here and then do the son of perdition next? Perhaps the... yes. Okay. All right. Perhaps yes. Okay. So and if... uh, just because so... I, I I don't mean to throw these monkey. I'm turning all over places. I don't mean to throw these monkey wrenches in. It's just before we left this verse, I, I just feel like, okay. Well, we're putting, what was our analogy, the puzzle? Puzzle, yeah. We got to build, yeah. Well, I tell you what, though, it is helpful to establish that there are literal fulfillments of these things, because you talk about where we spiritualize everything, right? Um, When we spiritualize things, it's difficult for us to pin down a literal fulfillment of it. Correct. When, when... Christ's coming was a literal fulfillment. That's right. Uh, Matthew is filled with references, you know, as it is written, pointing out here's literal fulfillments. So we should anticipate that that there be a literal fulfillment of Genesis three fifteen, and we see it in Scripture later, like you said. I, I think everyone would agree that the seed mentioned here, the seed of the woman, is speaking of a of a physical, of a physical Lord Jesus Christ. Of course. Well, I I just don't believe that. Okay, the Bible is going to reference a complete spiritual versus a physical. Sure. That the Bible's consistent. So I do believe that Satan does have a physical seed. Um, which is going to open up podcasts with the giants and all of those things. But I don't mean to do that today. I'm just saying that I, I believe Genesis 15, what is prophesied here, mm-hmm. the psalmist references, Jesus references, and then there's going to be more so in the next age, the time of Jacob's trouble, when the Antichrist is resurrected. 
he will be brought back. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that is Judas Iscariot. And so I, there's a very much so ful- physical fulfillment of this verse in Genesis 3.15. It's worth noting for someone who's listening to this and thinking, well, you know, how is that possible? Well, do you believe that Jesus met with Moses and Elijah at the Mount yeah. of Transfiguration? Yeah. yeah. So just because it's new or different or sounds weird to you, don't dismiss it um, outright, but search the Scriptures. Right, I, you said something a little while back that I wanted to just jump onto, and that is our approach to interpreting the scriptures. Is that even the rules of interpretation we use are going to be from the scriptures themselves? That's right. So we're not taking uh, a man-devised method of interpreting the Bible. We are taking uh, an approach where we're interpreting the Word of God according to the rules the Word of God lays out for us. And one of those very essential rules is comparing Scripture, scripture with, scripture. with Scripture, comparing spiritual with spiritual. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, mm. I believe it is. And so that's what we're doing here as we walk through this, this seed discussion. Now, is there a spiritual seed? I would say, of course there is. You know, we, we started the program by saying, does God have a seed? Well, um, that's a uncomfortable uh, topic for people to think about, but he does. If you turn to 1 John chapter 3, it mentions God's seed. If you are saved, if you are saved today, you have the seed of God dwelling within you. Um, 1 John chapter 3, um, oh, where is it? where the seed of God remains within us. Um, Verse 9. Verse 9. Okay. Whosoever is born of God. Remember, seed denotes birth. Something is born, Mm -hmm. whether it's an apple tree or an oak tree or green beans or a baby. As we're sitting here, this is the first time we're recording since Brother Chad welcomed his brand new son into the world. Well, that is the seed of Chad Colburn. And um, the Bible says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed. The his does not point back to whosoever, it points back to God. God. Mm -hmm. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay, this is that new man that... The Apostle Paul speaks of, Colossians says that this new man is a creation of God that is born within us. And so this is obviously speaking of spiritual seed. This is not talking about some physical being that is living within us. It's speaking of spiritual seed. And I believe as well that the serpent has spiritual seed. They are, you don't serve me, you serve your father, the devil. Well, is that entire crowd he was speaking to the physical offspring of Satan? No, I believe by their unbelief. Well, that's verse 10 of the chapter you're in right now. Read in it. This, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Right. So we know, all right, and whosoever doth not, uh, who, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So he mentions the children of the devil. So I just thought it was interesting what you were saying that. So we've we've jumped from you know Genesis the early parts of Genesis to, to, to first John boom first John <laughs> <on the side. laughs> yes but when we when we're looking at Genesis you know which is the beginnings right the mm-hmm. beginning, we mm-hmm. see that the the devil's working to corrupt seed right right and sometimes he's going to try to corrupt physical seed. Uh, which we see him try to do, in, which he is su- largely successful in the book of Genesis. Right. Yes. Um, but then we'll also see an attempt to corrupt spiritual seed, which in the New Testament we understand the seed, according to Jesus, uh, in the parable of the sower, the seed is the word, of God, the word of God. Right. So one way or the other, the devil is going to attempt to corrupt seed to obstruct God's plan. And that's Peter's epistle, right? We're not born of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Right, right. And by the word of God. Yeah, by me jumping Mm -hmm. to 1 John, I'm just showing, you know, I just wanted to, before, you know, we're in Genesis 3, we just identify spiritual versus physical. So if we go back to Genesis 3, 
okay? And then I think the point was to go to Genesis 6 and see sure. that the seed, and so now that we know that there's physical and spiritual, when we go back to Genesis 6, okay, is this physical or spiritual seed that's being talked about? Mm. Okay. So take it away. Chad, Chad is our organize. Well, I won't speak for Brother Josh. Yes, I'm, the, I'm fine with this. No. He I is am, our. Yeah. I am the least organized in the room, and sure? Chad, I would say, is the most. So the only whenever... difference between you and me is that I have a pen. <laughs> yeah, now, Chad's got. So the reason, know, a library, so, yes, the no. reason, whenever we need to get back on track, we're going to take it to Chad. So take it away, Chad. No, my job is a, I'm the facilitator, right? I'll facilitate. By yeah. organization. Because I'll tell you what, you know, side note, I walk away from our recording sessions and I always have more to think about. So I'm, yeah. I'm, re, I'm strengthened and edified. Um, <laughs> I walk away study. going, what did I say? No. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. So okay, so we I just throw the firecrackers in the pond. Yeah, what I yeah. see what floats to the top. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy on the side of the pond saying, "Whoa, <laughs> do it again." So then we come to a passage like Genesis six, right? So I think it's actually you can't skip Genesis five because Genesis five you have you have the seed of Seth, right? You have physical descendants, these genealogies that's laid out for us that get us all the way to Noah. Okay, so you certainly do have a godly line of Seth. Not going to argue that, right? Mm. Because you see uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So there's definitely a spiritual aspect there. But uh, we also see that where God is working, the devil's also working. Not not far behind. And so in Genesis 6, it came to pass, verse 1, when men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, okay, and I think we talked about, we've talked about this before, but Josh, who are the sons of God? Just define those, define the usage in scripture of sons of God. I would, well, there's there's what, four? There's four categories um, in scripture, four people groups for personages of the sons of God. Um, clearly, the first one my mind always goes to is John 3, um, the, son, the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The only time begotten is used with Son of God is with Jesus. The rest of them are not begotten, um, which that's another topic for another day. But anyway, so Jesus, number one. Uh, number two, uh, it says in John chapter 1 and First uh, John 3, to as many as believed, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. A son of God in this uh, day and age would be somebody who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. It's worth pause just for a moment yeah. and noting that both of your son and son of God, sons of God, reference so far, both definitely have spiritual implications. Yes. Right. Yes. The new birth makes you a son of God. A son of God. Okay. So there has to be a spiritual aspect to it, mm. but there is a physical aspect also. Yes. But keep going. Um, number three is in Luke chapter three, where Adam is called the son of God. Um, and that's obviously referring back to his creation. And then there's the weird one. No one likes, um, Job chapter one, uh, Genesis chapter six, we have this reference to the sons of God. Now this is obviously not Jesus. Okay. This is a plural word sons. This is not Adam. Adam has passed. These are not um, people who've called upon Jesus for salvation. This is not the new birth. So who are these people? Um, So this fourth category uh, of sons of God, I think is interesting. Now, what's interesting, well, ha, oh boy. So all four, well, at least the other three I've mentioned, um, all bear an image. Every time the Son of God is mentioned, there's a, there's a, there's an image that is born within them. Uh, born, B-O-R-N-E. Okay, they bear an image. And um, Jesus Christ, you and I, Adam, we're to bear the image of God. Um, the Bible tells us in Genesis 5 that Seth does not bear God's image, but Seth bears the image of his daddy, Adam. And that's in Genesis 5.3. That's Genesis 5.3. So Seth is born after the image of Adam. Well, what happened to the image of God? 
in Genesis 1.26, if we're made in the image of God, well, we are not physically made in the image of God. We're physically made in the image of our dad. What happened to the image of God? Well, that is what the sons of God, that's what a son of God is. They bear the image. Adam lost that image in sin. That's why the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It doesn't say those who are lost. It uses the singular that. Which is the image of God in man. Which is the image of God in man that was lost. That's why he came. And the second Adam is going to restore it. He's going to restore that image. Because Romans 8... The Bible says it's predestined that we will be conformed to the image, image of his, of his son. dear son. And yes. then 1 John 3, the Bible says, for we shall be like him. There's our likeness. That's right. For we shall see him as he, as is. he is. So the second Adam, Christ, is going to restore that image and likeness. Yes. That was lost that under was the lost, first That Adam. which was lost. Right. Because yeah. all that, the other English perversions are going to say those who are lost. That's not what the scripture says. So, so. so the image... Okay, the image of God in man begins to be restored at what moment? The new birth. The new birth, right? Yes. Can I? Can we just, like, real simple, my son was just born. Yeah. Okay, my son, he's my son, but he looks nothing like me. Think about this, okay? At the... Well... Hold on. <laughs> I saw a picture, and my first thought, I gotta be honest, the first thing I said was, that's a Colbert. There's a Colbert. Okay, <laughs> okay. so there, okay. there is a... There is... There are some resemblances. Likeness? There's some likeness there. Okay. But there has to be a maturing process mm-hmm. where there may be a day where any one of my sons is is similar, way more similar through maturity to their father than they are at their birth. Agreed. Yes. Okay. So, yes. so for someone listening, super practical, when someone first gets saved, they've got to grow and mature. They've got to have the right. They have to have their proverbial diapers changed. They've got to be cared for. You know, no one is going to take a newborn child and just say, "Well, good luck to you. Hope it all works out." But spiritually, we can be guilty of doing that to someone that just gets saved. That's good. That's why. That's why Romans says we're conformed to His image. It means you are brought into harmony with. Mm. You're not. That's why conformed and transformed. Are the opposites in what is that? Um, Romans, Romans 12, 12, 12, 1 and 2. Yeah. Where the Bible says for us not to be. Con- not to be conformed to this world, but right. be transformed. So that means don't come into harmony with the world, mm-hmm. but be tr- transformed means to become something different. The ch- to your point, when we are born, we are born the Son of God, okay? But we need to be brought into harmony with him and that's conformed. When you say we're born when you talk about the new birth born. Correct. The born new again. birth okay. born, not mm-hmm. not physical, uh, but the new birth born. And to be I, the image bearer. I like Brother Josh, that is a great definition of sons of God, the image bearer. The image bearer. I like it. So that's very let's good. Let's have some fun. No who, yeah, go no, ahead. No, no, no. You say, I'm saying you've done a great job. Well who are these people in Genesis six? Well it's not Seth's descendants. It can't be. It and can't you know be. why it cannot be? Because of what it says in Genesis 6-1 and Genesis 6-2. Genesis 6-1, there are men. Genesis 6-2, sons of God. It makes a distinction between men and sons of God. Mm, that's um, a good point, yes. So, so that's one thing that I know, that this is not the godly line of Seth intermarrying with the godless line of Cain for multiple reasons. One is, there are men, verse 1 which notice seed is understood, daughters are born unto them. So these men have seed. But then verse number two, we have the sons of God. And notice that's a distinction between the men on the earth and the sons of God. Right, because they see the daughters of the men. Correct. Right. And also, if these are sons of God, meaning these are just mere men, these, this is the line of Seth, then Adam was able to produce sons of God. That's he right. was able to do it. If these are, if these, if these are, are the, if yes. these are just mere men, these sons of God, mm-hmm. because I believe from Adam to Christ, there are no sons of God, meaning human offspring yes, that bear the likeness of God. Correct. There are none. 
Which so, connects back to why he's called the second and Adam. And that's why I believe it's biblically impossible that these sons of God are the line of Seth. It mm -hmm. cannot be. Mm -hmm. It can't be. Because then Adam was able to fulfill the command, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He was able to do it. And we know he wasn't able to. So this must be something different. Carry on. Carry on. Why are you both looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we know who on who these sons of God are. We, okay, so the sons of God, we, that would leave us to conclude. So using process of elimination, yeah, that yeah. would lead us to conclude that the sons of God we read of in Genesis chapter 6 are the same sons of God that we read about in Job. Job, yes. Um, mm -hmm. And elsewhere in the scriptures. So what are the... And, and, and so what's going on with the intermarrying or the marrying of these sons of God, right, and the daughters of men, what's going on? Well, it's the attempt to corrupt the physical seed of man. That's right. Can we define what marry means scripturally? To, to marry, to use our definition in our day and age, is a woman wears a white dress and a guy wears a black tuxedo and stands in front of a pastor. Well, the biblical definition of marry means to physically join. Right, the consummation. That's what it means, That's right, right. to physically join. And so what this is saying is when it, um, when it, they physically join themselves. When they took them wives two, of all. Yep. Right. And they, the Lord's response, sorry, the, what's the Lord's clearly uh, not pleased with this development. You know, in verse three, he decrees that, there's yet 120 years before he will judge mm -hmm. you know, the earth for this. So then it comes to verse four, and you're like you're like the giant specialist. Oh boy! So go ahead. And not New York or San Francisco, <laughs> right? Well, I mean Genesis six four tells us there were giants in the earth in those days. Well, they just happened to be there too. Well, it tells you more. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. They bear children of them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So we know these giants were the offspring of this physical union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. Yes. So, you know, I, I rejected that for years because I didn't want to believe it. Okay. It's not because the Bible, what I like to say is the ground upon which I stood just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It's because I didn't want to believe it. Okay. And, but it is, it is so just because there's something. And I think it's because we as Christians don't want to believe in ugly things. Are we, we still just, working out the sons of God? Yes. Yeah. You know, the fact that, okay, these sons of God are not human and they're joining themselves physically unto human women and having an offspring. Can I use the word, they're not angels by, by biblical definition. These are not fallen angels, because that phrase is never found in Scripture. But could we say they're angelic? Well, they're called the angels that sinned, sure. right, okay. in yeah. Second Peter 2. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I believe, yeah, the angels. But when I sinned. say angels, we're all going to go. Everybody, you know, I say everybody, but the average Christian goes. But to... But aren't all angels women? Yeah, they go to Gabriel. <laughs> they go to, you know, yeah, or this this lady that sits on top of a Christmas tree with wings, and and you know what I mean. Yeah. So when we say angel, that's where people's minds go, which you don't find in Scripture. And I think if you again going back to the analogy of Casper, things which are spiritual, like Casper, if you just look at. Um, you just look at what the Bible lays out for us about angels um, and about those beings that we would classify as spiritual. There certainly is, and I can't describe it to you in a, in a DNA sort of way, but there certainly is an element of physicality to them. Would you say more tangible? There is tangible. It's a great tangible word. Tangible versus... A tangible so yeah, spiritual, physical. Right. The physical is tangible, and the spiritual is also tangible. But in a different way. In a different and way. And that's not even... I, I wish I could <laughs> get out my crayons and paper and draw that for you, but I can't. But that's what the Bible Would it teaches. be Casper? <laughs> it would not be Casper. Okay, so we bring up this sons of God conversation. All right, we're in agreement. Sons of God, daughters of men. This is... This is uh, corrupted offspring. 
Yes. That is contrasted in Genesis chapter 6 with Noah, who does is not corrupted. Correct. And does not have corrupt offspring. Yes. This is in Genesis 6 chapter number... Verse- Nine. Verse number nine. Nine. Yes. These are the generations of Noah. So you're like, okay, what's 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 generations mean? Well, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God, and Noah beget. Here's his generation. Noah beget three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled. Well, with amen, violence. brother. He was perfect in his generation. He followed the Lord. So again, how are is we? That, gonna, is that what well, that is saying? How are we going to define <laughs> the word generations? Genesis five verse one. This That's right. is the book of the generations of Adam, and then we have this genealogy. Adam lived one hundred and thirty years and beget a son in his own likeness. That's right. So generation is. It does not say he was perfect in his generation. That's my favorite thing I like to point out. It says generations. Sure. sure. The emphasis is on his lineage. Right. It's a lineage. And not his this actions. Is, this is not a, because we, we can, okay, I am, and I'll go ahead and say it. I don't want to, but I'll say it. Brother Wiley, you're, you're elderly compared yes. to me. I'm just kidding. No, you're older than me and Brother Chad, but Brother Chad and I are in the millennial generation category. Just barely. Barely, but we're in it. Mm-hmm. But that is a generation. When he says he's perfect in his generations, he's not talking about, Scripture is not talking about the fact that Noah followed the Lord and no one else right. around him did. Well, that's in point one. He was a just man. That's right. So that's already been stated. The perfect in his generations is going to, like Brother Chad said, refer to a Genesis 5. Look at this line right. that was not corrupted by the sons of God trying to corrupt the seed that was promised of in Genesis 3. It's this action between the sons of God and the daughters of man that causes God to bring this judgment upon the earth. It's this action. You remember when Jesus said, he said more than once in the Gospels, as it was in the days of Noah. And then he describes what was happening during the days of Noah. And I remember... Uh, as a child sitting there listening to men preach on that passage, again, who just weren't rightly dividing. And I didn't know at the time, Mm -hmm. but they were saying, listen to how sinful they were eating and drinking. They were marrying. And I thought, (laughs) we do all of those things, don't we? I mean, don't we do all of those things? Are those sinful things? Mm. It was the marrying and giving in marriage that was the wickedness that caused God to act. And it is that physical joining unto the daughters of men, the line. So that's why I believe the purpose of the flood was to preserve the messianic line, to to prevent it from being corrupted. That's right. That's what I believe. So we see that because Noah is perfect in his generations, so he is... Because the Messiah has to be the seed of the woman. He has to be human. And so the only family left on the earth in which their their seed was not mingled. That's another Bible word you should look at. Mingled. That's Daniel 2. Yep. Yes. Be- because yep. their seed was not mingled with other seed. Okay. Uh, then, and the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God works through Noah to preserve human seed in order that a, the Messiah come in order to save uh, to save those that would believe. And, you know, we think, well, that, that's kind of weird, you know, mixing of DNA. No, it's not weird. It's not weird. It's happening today. Hmm. Right? It's happening today where if you look up things like CRISPR and gene editing technology and, um, and, and how it is that genetics are being modified, we may be on the very cusp of understanding how gene editing takes place and, and how the mingling of seed takes place on a genetic level. But clearly, if humans, you know, not all that far removed from the Industrial Revolution are figuring out how to do this, that, that mankind and, and that this was going on prior. It's not, it's not weird that it's happened before. Mm. There's nothing no, more I mean, you sun. look, was not Hitler and the Nazis, you know, they were, they weren't mingling, but they were, 
purposefully trying to alter, um, and this is going to be very controversial, I can't help it, uh, you know, these modern vaccines now mm. is exactly, it is altering people's DNA, just mm. receiving a vaccine. So to say that, well, how in the world could that possibly happen? Um, how could the earth be created? You know, we believe, you know, <laughs> I, I tell our folks that, okay, well, I just don't want to believe that. I just don't see how this could happen. Really? Like dividing a river in two, yeah. like splitting the Red Sea. We like the like, pretty, but we, we don't like, like the, the ugly. We like the pretty, but we don't like the ugly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So God is successful, right? Um, and the devil is thwarted in his attempt to corrupt seed. So all of those, all, and, and this is important to note, um, as well. Genesis 6, 12, when God looks upon the earth, the Bible says, God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. And notice this, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So when we talk about a mingling of seed, uh, we can't describe for you what this looks like, you know, in living color, but we know that more than just mankind was corrupt in its seed, but that all flesh was corrupt. So what does God do? Well, he judges the earth with a flood. So all of those, these mighty men which were of old, these men of renown, these corrupt offspring are all killed in the flood, and God starts over. What does he say to Noah? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, right? Had to say replenish. Yeah, yep. had to, had to say it. it, but we'll pass. We're gonna pass over it. Just let her go. <laughs> Is that podcast one thousand one hundred eighteen? Yeah, yeah I think let so. her go. Yeah. That's Genesis nine one. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, "Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth." Okay, so now you have the generations of Noah in Genesis ten, and what God is here's what I think God is doing in in, in Genesis is he is narrowing, now narrowing the seed down to a particular family on the earth. Mm. And that would be getting us all the way to Abraham. Now, does the devil try to corrupt the seed again? Was that only before the flood, or did he attempt to corrupt it again? I'm asking the question. You want me to answer? Yeah, sure. yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, probably if you've been listening, you know that I believe that the offspring of this corrupting of the seed were giants, the giants that were upon the earth in Genesis 6-4. Well, immediately in Abraham's day, we have giants again. Mm -hmm. um, so we have giants upon the earth. Um, once again, during Abraham's day, you look at Genesis 14, I think it's verse 5, there's like four, five, or six people groups that are named, which the Bible defines in other passages of Scripture as all giants. Um, as um, We have giants in David's day. Uh, what's interesting is we don't have any record of giants from David's day on, and I do believe there's a biblical reason for that. But I do believe we have giants upon the earth once again in the time of Jacob's trouble. I believe giants just has a, has a particular relationship with God's people Israel, that you look at every major facet of the nation of Israel, they faced giants, mm. faced giants. Abraham faced giants in the very beginning in Genesis 14. The very first thing they faced when they came to the promised land was giants. David... The king whose throne shall be forever, the very first—he's he's anointed in chapter 16. What's the very first thing he faces he's in chapter giant. 17 is giants. Uh, the tribulation period, you know that I believe the book of Job pictures Israel in the tribulation period. Giants is mentioned in Job. Hmm. I believe the ten kings that are going to rule with the Antichrist, I believe they are giants. Um, can I, we? Can I jump in? Because we're talking about seed, right? So when we when we're talking about giants, we're not just talking about a big bad tall dude, right? I we would say that. there we're is not a talking spiritual the Walt Disney seed. dopey, right? You know, well, ignorant. What is, what's the Bible definition of them in Genesis six four? It says, uh, "I'm trying to find it." The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Which were of old, notice the definition, which were of old, meaning the old world. Mm -hmm. That's the reference there. 
But we can't just, you know, David's men were mighty men. You know, they were called mighty men. I believe there's other men in the Word of God mm -hmm. called men of renown. Um, but these were definite giants uh, upon the earth. I didn't mean to interrupt you, brother. No, Josh. you're fine. I just, for me, this helps uh, the listener and myself. When you he hear giant, we're not talking the Walt Disney, Dopey. Right. You know, fee fi fo Oh, hug him and kiss him and that's call right. his name George. That's, right. Right. that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking are, supernatural. These are highly intelligent. They were kings upon the earth. Og was the king of Bashan. Yes. And he was a giant. Uh, the word champion is only used three times in the Bible. And it's only about the giant. Only Goliath. Mm -hmm. He is. Well, he was the champion of the Philistines. So these aren't just, you know, these aren't minute bowl, you know, of the NBA. These are <laughs> gang. You know, when we look at what we would call giants of the earth, we well, have pictures of they can barely walk. When we hear giant, everybody just goes to just really tall. Right. There's more than just some really tall dudes. These that's are not what these physically guys, that's right. just, uh, and you look at any culture, ancient culture in the world, they're going to reference giants. Um, and sometimes these giants, we should note, are not, they, they're not limited to just the physical appearance of a man, right? So for example, um, and this is, this is not, our subject, but you even look at Egyptian mythology, and some of the giants, if you will, have the heads of birds. The Sphinx has the head of a man, but the body of a lion. Would you connect that to the mingling? Um, I don't think that it's incorrect to do that, but okay. it's not a hill you're gonna die on. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But I, you do see. I'm really leaning that way mm. myself. Well, that Revelation. You look at any ancient. Revelation has a great. Yeah. Even if, God, even God has depictions which are good and holy, of half this and half that. If we believe in the literal interpretation, which is where I'm, my I gotta be honest, my biggest struggle is getting away from the allegorical approach to Scripture and believing the words that are written in front of me. Doesn't it say the beasts which surround the throne? One has the head of a lion. Yeah, one has the yeah. head of a man. One has the so is the mingling. Remember, remember what Brother Chad read. All flesh. That's right. All flesh was judged. The animals, everything was judged upon the earth. Uh, so you look in any culture, <laughs> any ancient culture, you have the, what is it, the half man, half horse, the, well, where did that come from? Where, uh, where did that thinking mm -hmm. come from? Well, I would say Noah and his son saw it. Mm. Ancient Egypt, where did the thinking of, you know, the worshiping of the, you know, they're, they're, um, it's amazing when we take the Bible literally instead of turning it into Aesop's fables. That's right. Um, we can see the Word of God completely different. Um, you know how they say in every criticism there is an ounce of truth? I think in, every, in, in the myths that we see, uh, throughout cultures and across the planet, there has, I would say that... It's, Where do they come from? Well, there has a they point of origin have, that yeah. you argue. It had, there had to be a point of origin. Yeah. The two lion-like men of Moab that David's mighty men killed, mm -hmm. what were they? Sure. Uh, in that same passage, they kill a giant. He's an Egyptian. They say how tall he is. Um they kill two lion-like men of mm -hmm. Moab, which I believe is speaking of their stature and their appearance, not the way they fought. Mm. They didn't fight like lions. They were... Yeah. Um, so it's not completely foreign to the Word of God. And I do believe, I'm leaning greatly towards, that there wasn't just a mingling of seed of humans that... Um, there was also a mingling of the seed of all flesh, the Bible says. So mm. to come back full circle, you said that after David's day, we don't see these giants. Uh, but they will come back. Until the time of the and end. And so the question is... Why? Right. I believe that is Isaiah's prophecy. Remember, Satan is attempting to mingle the seed. Seed is first mentioned in Genesis 3 and verse 15. There's not another reference to the virgin birth until Isaiah 7, 14. Mm -hmm. That's the next reference. 
which if you look at Isaiah's prophecy, it's only about 200 years after David is Isaiah's prophecy. Remember, Satan is attempting to corrupt the seed. But it's almost like in Isaiah 7, God reminds him, this is not the seed of man. You can corrupt the seed of man, but this is the Messiah is not going to come from the seed of man. Hmm. So all of this attempt of Satan to corrupt the seed of man, God once again establishes he will not come of the seed of man. Well, he will come of the seed of the woman. To your point, in Genesis 6, we see that it's the sons of God and the daughters of men, and the offspring were, it's gender-specific, they were men they were of men. renown. Right. So there, there's no record of, that off, of ever there being offspring of the sons of God and daughters of men that were female. They're entirely described as men. Mm-hmm. Now, these offspring did have children. Sure. Goliath had four sons, the Bible says, and Samuel. Um, So this is the devil. And so I believe during David's time and because of Isaiah's prophecy, the corrupting of the physical seed, he ceases. But does that mean that he stopped corrupting seed? Well... Is he now correct? Is he? Is his focus on the spiritual? The spiritual seed. Yeah. yeah. You know that's Peter's epistle. We are not saved by corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. And I believe Satan is still in the seed corrupting business. It's just now instead of now that the Messiah has come, there's no attempt to corrupt the physical, physical seed. seed. Right. But he sure is trying to corrupt the spiritual seed. Now, there's other ways in which the the devil tries to corrupt. Uh, the physical seed. When when Israel entered the promised land, they're commanded not to intermarry. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be of the line of Abraham that Messiah will come. So they're right. not to intermarry. They're to drive those inhabitants out of the land. Remember, the Samaritans, you know, are looked down upon because ultimately they're half mm-hmm. Jew, half, um, half Gentile. Mm-hmm. And so there is even, you know, even... You see that the devil, if he can't do it one way, he'll try to do it another way. That's a good point, yeah. And trying to corrupt Israel in terms of not just spiritually, but physically uh, also took place. But yeah, then maybe, you know, in Isaiah, that prophecy, um, you know, basically bringing to an end the era of giants at that time, we also see that Israel gets sent into Babylonian captivity, Judah into captivity, and when they return, uh, we, we come up all the way to Christ's day. After Christ is born, okay, so the seed is born, we see even in Herod, you know, the devil tries to destroy the seed, right? Because all of the babies, two years old and un- younger, are, are killed because I'm just tracing this idea sure. of seed, Absolutely. just trying to kill. And it goes the seed. all the way to the end of the millennial kingdom. Right. Uh, the very last verse of Zechariah, you know, I believe the pinnacle verse of the Bible is Zechariah 14:9. Listen to Zechariah 14:21. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all they that sacrifice. Yes, there's going to be animal sacrifice in the millennial kingdom. I haven't fully got my mind around that yet, but shall come and take of them and see therein, and then listen to the last statement. And in that day, there shall be no more the Canaanite, specifically, in the house of the Lord of hosts. Um, So what I take from that is what you just said. They were to eradicate the Canaanites out of the land, but they did not. We see in Judges 2, it says they didn't do this, they didn't do that. Well, there will be a day where the Canaanite, as it should have been in the beginning, will be eradicated out of the land. And that's the very last statement of Zechariah's prophecy. And that, I think as well, traces the seed all the way, because seed is talked about during the Millennial Kingdom as well. I believe the parable of the... uh, The parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and the tares, that's about the kingdom. That's kingdom prophecy. And it talks about the seed of the wicked one versus the good seed. 
Um, and so I believe seed goes all the way through, all the way through the kingdom. You can see um, Satan's seed. I think you mentioned Canaanite. Okay, well, who are the Canaanites? Well, they're the descendants of Canaan, who was the son of Ham, Canaan, who is cursed uh, for the wickedness which was done to Noah. Even after the flood, you can see this, the seed of Satan, if you will, spiritually still at work, still at work trying to hinder, and God then promising to eradicate the Canaanites mm-hmm. from the land. Uh, sometimes I, you know, people will, this is where you can't just isolate a particular portion of Scripture and then come to some kind of harsh judgment of God. You know, like, why, why does Israel have to come in and kill all the inhabitants? Well, figure out who they are and why. Right. And then you'll understand uh, that it's, it is just of God to do that, yeah. to command that. But. So no more corrupting of physical seed right now, right? Because the spiritual seed, is that where... That's his focus. Yeah. I think his focus yeah. now is on, the, on the spiritual, spiritual. seed, okay. on the Word of God. So the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That Great Commission to preach the gospel, we are to be fruitful and multiply, Right, so if you're looking for a devotional application, where to be fruitful and multiply spiritually? Mm-hmm. A seed multiplies, and the Bible says the seed of God remains within us, and we ought to multiply that seed and create more sons of God. Well, what do you think? That's an hour. Good discussion. Hey, good introduction. Very good discussion. Excellent. Seed. Well. We'll be coming to you again. Thank you for joining us at Backwoods Theology. We're very grateful, and we just hope you look forward to every Friday an episode will come out. So we'll see you this coming Friday at Backwoods Theology. (music)